Hello and welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian podcast. My name is Dean Jones and I'm the Well-Seasoned Librarian. I'd like to welcome you today for a very special podcast. It is uh, Season 1, Episode 6. And today we are talking with Christine Parker and Ashley Lee. You may know them better as the Bitten Word podcast. It was a pleasure to speak with both of them today, and I had a really good time asking them questions and finding out more about what makes their podcast tick. I think you'll enjoy it as well. So stay tuned for that conversation, and welcome. He's in Librarian Podcast. I'm Dean Jones, and today I'm talking with Christine Parker and Ashley Lee from the Bitten Word Podcast. Hello, Christine and Ashley. Thank you for being here. Hello. Hi. Thanks, Thanks for, having for having us. us. You know, I just wanted to say, I um, to start off with before we go into the questions, I really love your podcast. And one of the things I like most about it is it was such a relief to me to know that there are people out there that think like I do and have the same <laughs> things. So I was listening to your podcast talking about um, a series of unfortunate events and um, by Lemony Snicket and the pasta pudinesca um, part where you guys made the pasta pudinesca. And I remember that my, I was reading those to my son when he was small, I was a single parrot, and uh, he asked about it. And so I said, would you like to eat it? And he said, sure. And so I made pasta pudinesca for him. I found a recipe for it and made it. And he was able to have that connection from the recipe to the, to the written word and I thought that was really cool and then later on we saw the movie with Jim Carrey where he said what did you call me so uh, <laughs> so I thought it was uh it was neat that somebody else like like the Ponyu the Ponyu um talk that you guys had talking about the ramen and everything that was very touching for me and my family we talked about that the other day and it was funny because I had just listened to your podcast yet out of the blue one of the kids brought it up and we talked about it so it was like funny how these things, I think, ripple out into our society and they affect our consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some great experiences. That's so fun. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I want to thank you for being there and showing people that, you know, other people think of this stuff too. It's not just them. They're not alone. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you both. So tell me about your backgrounds. Tell me about yourselves and how you came to create the podcast. Well, so we're actually sisters. Um, Ashley is older than I am, um, and we became really close around when I went to college, and most of what we bonded over was food and geeky things like Harry Potter and Doctor Who and stuff like that. Um, so the idea for the podcast is honestly sort of just a natural extension of something we do all the time anyway. Um, we're constantly sending each other, you know, passages from books about food or talking about scenes in movies. And, you know, one day Ashley just brought up the idea of doing the podcast about food from books. And then I extended it into movies and TV and video games. And I mean, it's just kind of like, that's just, I guess, who we are at our core. Yeah. <laughs> So um, you both discuss books in film in detail. When you speak about the food in them, you seem to have a lot of depth and analysis of the work. Like, I don't feel like at any time that your podcast is pithy or superficial. Like, you guys really go in depth on it. Um, how did you come about that? How did that evolve into the podcast? And do you think, I mean, this is, I think, more the way you thought or you guys decided to do this. Was this a conscious decision for you? 
You know, I don't really actually think so. Um, to be honest, our first episode was a little slapdash <laughs> because we had it had been a long time since I had made that first suggestion. And Christine finally was like, so are we going to do this or what? It's like, okay, well, I guess we're going to do it. So she wrote up a script um, and we just kind of winged it. Uh, but just, I think, based on our conversational style, because we're so used to talking to each other and we talk like this normally, honestly, the podcast really is mostly just us talking. Um, we don't share our scripts with each other before we record so that we have real reactions and real conversations. Um, and we just find things interesting. So we like doing some research. We like thinking about how things you know, relate to each other. Uh, we like finding all of the little background knowledge tidbits, the things that people might not notice. And I don't know, we just kind of have fun with it. Um, I think the formula for the podcast evolved as we kind of did it a few times. And now we have, you know, a little bit where we talk about the history or the, you know, background of the movie or the book or whatever it is we're talking about. We'll talk about the scene that has the food and how the food is important. And then we'll talk about the food itself and the history. And then we do our tasting. Uh, and I feel like it's kind of serendipity that it evolved that way and that it worked out so nicely when we didn't really plan it. Now you think like, I mean, cause like, I think a lot of us wonder about things, but like you guys take it a step further. Cause I remember I'm a big fan, like a huge, huge fan. And I've, I've seen every incarnation of, of the all creatures great and small. And you guys touched yeah. on the interview recently and you guys actually made the Yorkshire pudding and you guys made me laugh so hard when you're talking about <laughs> And I just like, cause that's such a huge show for me. And I just love all that. I, I've even read the books. So I think it was so cool. But what did you guys, I mean, did it kind of bring it home to you guys a little bit more to kind of make the Yorkshire pudding and kind of connect that together and have that kind of like, I think sense memory or sensual experience that you could put in with a memory reading the books or watching the TV shows? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, we, I think talked about a little bit in that episode how, our grandma made Yorkshire pudding growing up every Christmas. And so that was something that we had had the experience with before, but our mom always talked about that food scene that we did where they cut the, the meat and they have that giant bowl of mashed potatoes and everything. And for me, at least in my mind, like I had always just wanted to like sit down and eat a rustic country meal like that, you know? And, and so I think, um, I think when you're eating like they eat, in the books and in the movies and things like that, it kind of creates the sense of immersion. It kind of helps you f get the feel, you know, of what they're experiencing. And so it does, it kind of brings it to life a little more. And I also really enjoy James Harriet and I've read all his books as well. And so I, and I do, I feel like it, you know, makes, just makes his world a little more real. Yeah. Nice. Well, we'll touching on that. There are a few YouTube bloggers that cover cooking dishes from books and film, like, uh, binging with Bevish, I think, and there's a few yeah. other where they cook some of the foods or they imagine something from. I don't. I don't think. I think there's quite a few uh, bloggers that do that. So, did you guys before you guys started the podcast and started doing some of this for the podcast? Did you guys do this in your own life? Like I know me personally, I I was making uh, butter beer for my kids. You know, making stuff from the Roald Dahl books. You know, back when they were kids. So, did you guys do this before? 
So we did sometimes, you know, before the podcast, make things from the books and movies and stuff. I mean, like, I really like to have themed parties. And for me, food is a big part of the immersion. Um, I've always wanted to really have to have a party about like from the uh, Sofia Coppola, Marie Antoinette movie. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where, yeah, where they're trying on shoes and stuff and they're eating the macarons and the candied orange and like the meal fills and all the pastries. And I always just thought it'd be so fun to have that party, you know, where everyone's dressed up and you're all, you know, all eating that food <laughs> and you're like playing poker, you know, whatever. And so for me, like, I don't know, the, the food is like, I've always wanted to eat the foods we see on screens and in books. Um, but we knew about, you know, people like binging with Babish for years. And I always loved the concept of bringing fictional food to life. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, our, I, I like the way we do it because I like that we get to kind of critique it because I think that there are a lot of people who like want to try the food but they don't know if it's worth it to put in all the effort or they don't know if it would even taste good and so I feel like maybe this is a stupid service but I feel like we're kind of doing a service of like you know we made it and we tried it to tell you whether or not it's worth making and trying yeah yeah um in our house, we have a Harry Potter party every July 31st, and we make cockroach clusters and butterbeer and butterbeer cookies, which are amazing. Um, we have a British-inspired dinner. We'll have bangers and mash or something like that. Uh, so that's something that we like to do. But I also sometimes, I read aloud a lot to my kids, um, and we'll do Sometimes we'll do a day afterwards where we'll do some activities and make the food. Um, for example, a few years ago, we read The Secret Garden out loud. And afterwards, we went to a botanical garden um, in Miami where we were living at the time and spent the day. And then we came home and we made the picnic that Mary and Dickon had in The Secret Garden. Um, so it's fun for my kids, you know, to have that food that they just heard about. They love to say, mom, we should make that when we read books. So it is something that we've been doing for a long time. Nice. Since your show began, you've covered quite a few things from books um, and featured them in your podcast. What are your favorite meals or cooking experiences from your podcast? And what is your least favorite? Stand out with the missus. Yeah, I think that my favorite uh, Food-wise, particularly, has been the Boeuf Bourguignon from our Julie and Julia episode, because we actually made Julia Childs, and it was like an all-day affair. Um, it took hours and hours. It had a lot of steps, but the end was so worth it. It was amazingly delicious, and I see why people care about her recipes and why she, you know, was so revered. Um, so now I kind of want to try more of that. Uh, I think the low point for me was the sweet onion chicken teriyaki sandwiches from Subway. The, the chicken there has always grossed me out. I have never wanted to eat it. And I knew that it was going to be nasty and I had to force it down anyway. <laughs> In fact, I think Christine may have done this too, but when we went, I bought two sandwiches, the one that I would have gotten if I'd just been ordering myself, and then the chicken one. And I ate the chicken one and then saved the other one for lunch the next day so that my craving was satisfied. <laughs> um, I think for me, my favorite 
just tasting things so far has been uh, the Nuka-Cola Quartz from Fallout. Um, it was just this really delicious, like, vanilla soda. Um, my least favorite probably had to be the sweet rolls from Skyrim because they were supposed to be, I think, like a sweet pastry, and it just was kind of like eating iced bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very disappointing. <laughs> it's a little flavorless. Yeah. Now, um, I can tell from the podcast, you guys are both avid readers. So what did you read growing up? What inspired you throughout your childhood and adulthood even? What, what have you guys have been getting into and reading? Like what, it's, what, what kind of uh, influenced you? So I don't remember any specific books as a kid that like had a big influence on me. Um, I honestly, I didn't even really get into reading until like high school. Um, I think when I was about 14 is, is when I really decided, you know, like I want to read more and I started reading and, and now I read all the time. Um, I remember though, at that point when I decided I wanted to read more, the book that I went and got from the store was a Scarlet Letter, which I feel like is a weird place to start, you know, for like building up a, a, re a love of reading. Um, but that's what worked for me. I, and so that kind of got me into classics, you know, and then I got into like Harry Potter and tried out fantasy and I went through a huge history phase. Um, as an adult, I still love all of these genres, um, except I'm not as into fantasy, but I kind of came into my own only in the past probably a few years and realized that what I really love is nonfiction and memoirs um, and then like popular science and pop culture. And that's the vast majority of what I read now, um, which is funny because they're not usually a big uh, place to find, you know, fodder for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, they might be bad fodder. <laughs> 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 Possibly. <laughs> yeah, for me, um, the biggest thing that I remember reading when I was younger were Goosebumps books. Uh, when I was in elementary school, I like could not get my hands on those fast enough. Um, I, I really also remember loving having assigned reading in English classes. I know so many people hate that. And I've read so many things that talk about you can't assign books because then it's like broccoli, you know, <laughs> but I actually really loved a lot of the books, including the Scarlet Letter. I wrote that down too on my own. Um, just, I loved the language. I loved reading how the story developed. Um, the first time I really feel like I felt affected by a book, though, was when I read Harry Potter, um, which was in high school, actually. The fourth book came out, and that's when I started reading them. I stole them all from my younger brother and read the first four in a week because <laughs> I just could not put them down. Um, now, I still really love that kind of a genre. I love fantasy, and I love science fiction. I love the good versus evil plot line. Um, I do really still love the classics. Um, I love, you know, historical fiction. I just like a good, solid story. Do you, um, this is not one of the scripted questions, but I'm curious anyway. Um, do either of you write yourselves? You guys write? No, no. not really. My not daughter really. kind of does, but that's good. Yeah. yeah. I think I did a lot when I was a kid. I, I remember having folders full of stories, but I, I haven't really as an adult. Okay. 
Any, any cookbooks in the future though for you guys, maybe? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. We'll have to see. I can see through your Instagram account that you guys are both good cooks. Uh, what are your cooking inspirations right now? What do you like to cook? Um, well, right now, my I guess my inspirations have changed a lot. Um, when I first got into cooking, I it was a cookbook that my mom had, a Nigella Lawson cookbook called How to Be a Domestic Goddess. And my aunt and uncle had gotten it for my mom for Christmas one year, and she never cracked it open, at least as far as I know. And I just started looking through it one day, and all the pictures looked amazing. And I loved the way she talked about the food, and I just wanted to get it started. And everybody in my family made fun of me because I couldn't cook at that point. I was still experimenting, but I was trying. And... um when I first, when I got into college and I first met my husband, I was still kind of in that experimental stage and he makes fun of me for these wasabi mashed potatoes I made him while we were dating that were like so hot we couldn't even touch them. Um, but back then my influences were a little bit more like cooking light and food network. So I had a lot of learning. I, I actually learned a lot from them, but now I gravitate a little bit more towards certain bloggers like um, Tegan Gerard at Half-Baked Harvest. She has some amazing things and her photography is just to die for. I also really like recipes from Chrissy Teigen, who surprisingly has really incredibly flavorful recipes. Um, right now, I'm super obsessed with uh, Odette Williams and Erin Jean McDowell, who are bakers. And I've been doing a lot of baking. That's, that's really my biggest passion. I love cooking, but baking is like, that's where it's at. Yeah. I went to culinary school. Um, I, I was never my plan to do that, but it just sort of struck me one day that I wanted to go. And so I went and I got a pastry degree. Um, but when, yeah. But when I was in college, the first thing I ever learned to cook was apple pie. Um, and so oh. pie was my thing, you know, for a while. Her apple pie is really amazing, too. It, like, stands up by itself, and it's so spicy. It's, like, it's super good. <laughs> but um, So, yeah, so since I've started cooking, um, I, you know, went to school, and I worked at a bakery, and I worked at a chocolate shop, and I think all of those experiences, you know, have really helped, you know, formulate the way I cook now. You know, they've given me a, a really good base. Um, but recently, I kind of rediscovered my love of pies. It, I kind of stopped doing them for a long time, but in the past couple months, I've been making a lot of pies, you know, and I think that's kind of my thing. I've come full circle. <laughs> cool. Now, um, you guys both mentioned you have families and I, I do as well. And I, I don't get a chance to talk to any other uh, bloggers or, or um, people that do podcasts all the time. So I wanted to ask you, um, do you have, is it hard for you to juggle um, doing a podcast in a family? I, I know that for me, um, it could be quite daunting. I've only been doing it for a month and you guys have been doing it for a while. Is it difficult to juggle both? Um, so let me preface before I say this, that you can't see, but I'm currently feeding my toddler off the side of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, like, it's not 
a huge burden. I mean, we purposely schedule our recordings around the kids and their activities. Um, but Ashley homeschools, you know, four kids and they have a lot of activities and we try to make, you know, purposeful family time and stuff, but we have days, you know, set aside for recording and editing. Um, that being said, we cut out huge chunks of audio of the kids coming in the room and talking, you mm -hmm. know, or like five minute silences where we leave the room to break up a fight or get snacks or answer questions. So, I mean, my kids are still little and you can hear them on the show periodically because sometimes, you know, my toddler will sit in my lap and might cry, you know, while we're recording. Um, and sometimes we have to get creative, you know, because like Ashley regularly records in the car while her kids are doing soccer practice. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely a balancing act, but I think, I think we're in a good place where, you know, it works for us. Um, this is kind of almost a part two to the previous question, but as people who have podcasts and, you know, you, you're pretty familiar with food media and um, social media, what um, podcasts and um, Instagram accounts, any kind of food media, what do you guys follow? What, what uh, cooks and chefs in the media do you guys follow? Well, I mentioned at the moment, um, Odette Williams and Erin Jean McDowell. I really love their Instagram accounts. They're beautiful. Um, I tagged her in a post and she, she liked it. I did twice actually. <laughs> nice. Um, so that was kind of fun and exciting. Um, other podcasts, uh, that I really love. I, I like a lot of Erin Mankey's podcasts, like everybody. I really like lore. It's really enlightening and interesting. Um, I had been listening to one called The History of English or The History of the English Language, I think, which is fascinating. Um, it can be a little dry, but it's totally worth it for all the little nuggets that you get. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff that I love. Oh, I love like binge mode Harry Potter <laughs> that goes into all the details about Harry Potter universe and um, it's they, just kind of like a funny take on it, but also just kind of fun to feel like you're having an adult conversation with somebody about Harry Potter, you know? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. see and any spoilers for any direction on the podcast where it's going in the future any uh spoilers you can provide for the audience to where you might be covering in the future uh you know i we have this massive absolutely massive excel sheet um with all of like the ideas we have every time we read or watch anything we're constantly adding stuff um and so i mean Right now, we have, pro I think, through season four planned out, um, but it's all kind of up in the air, just kind of whatever we feel like doing at the moment. But I can say um, soonish, we will be doing our first 
of many Harry Potter episodes. Um, and those should be pretty big. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very epic. <laughs> All right. Um, I wanted to ask you guys a question. It's not on the list, but I wanted to throw it in there. I noticed that you guys are both, um, if not huge fans, you're both are very well um, conversed with uh, Miyazaki films. So I wanted to ask you, like, I noticed that um, Miyazaki in his films uses food as a touchstone quite a bit. And I noticed that you guys have talked, when you guys talked about Ponyo, you kind of touched on that as well. Um, what are your thoughts of, um, have you seen many of the, have you seen all, if not many of the Miyazaki films? And, and what, are, what are your thoughts on how Miyazaki uses food as a touchstone? Um, so I've, I've seen quite a few of his films and we even talked about this a little bit in the podcast, but um, Miyazaki and, and Studio Ghibli are very purposeful in the way that they present food. Um, and they use it mostly as like a tool for comfort. Um, and so usually when characters are in distress, you know, another character will provide food for them. Like in uh, Kiki's delivery service, when Kiki's sick, the woman she's with, you know, makes her oatmeal and she puts honey in it. And um, <laughs> speaking about kids, yeah. <laughs> um, and in Spirited Away, Haku offers Chihiro a onigiri when she's upset that she thinks she'll never see her parents again. Um, I think he also um, spends a lot of time making the food look like better than reality. I think um, as a way to kind of, um, I guess, romanticize and, and fantasize the worlds that he's created. And so especially in movies like, like Spirited Away, um, it's really interesting to see her be in this alternate um, plane of existence where there are spirits and monsters, but to see food that is very familiar to her and to her experience in real life, even, you know, like what, um, what they feed the soot sprites in uh, the boiler room are little Japanese candies, you know, that you can actually buy in real life. Touched by um, how purposeful, like you say, Miyazaki used food in the films also to kind of a provide like evoking emotion I think because like I think that like we see when we see food in the film or book when it's used like it, it kind of stirs feelings in ourselves it's easy to identify when a character in a book or a film is hungry you can kind of remember like if you've ever felt hungry like you can kind of identify with that you know it, it's a shift in our perspective and I think it's it's always very interesting to see how Miyazaki uses those in his films yeah so um, for the last question, I want to ask you both, if you could do a dinner for up to 10 people, living or dead, who would you invite and what would you cook for them? This was a really hard question. <laughs> we had, we split the list and decided yeah. to have a combined party. <laughs> yeah. Um, first, I guess, for what we would make, we in my family have a very favorite uh, creamy lemon pasta from Ina Garten. That's like our all-time favorite thing to eat as a family. So I think that we'd probably make that and some garlic bread and some salad. Um, and then I think for dessert, I would make from Tegan Gerard. She has this chocolate peanut butter Oreo cake that is to die for. And it would be enough to feed everybody because it's gigantic. So <laughs> I think that's what I'd make. What did you decide, Christine? So 
so Ashley was kind of making fun of me when we were deciding, you know, our <laughs> menus because I was just teasing. I know she was, she was like brought, I guess, to light our different styles in like cooking for parties yeah. and things. Um, hers, you know, of which is like, you know, our favorite family meals, tried and true things we love. And mine is like, go big or go home, you know, do something new, do something fancy. You know, she's like lamb lollipops. <laughs> so, um, you have well, made those before for a party in my defense. <laughs> I made chicken lollipops. Uh, okay. Um, sorry. Uh, lamb lollipops sounds good too. <laughs> sorry, hold on. She's okay. we, I, we could also edit. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry. Um, so what I decided on was I didn't go that far with it, but I think I, I probably still went where I usually go. So I did cutter, caramel butterscotch pie, um, like a probably like some kind of big, beautiful roast and like miso roast vegetables and then like a, like a bright citrus salad. I don't know why. Like that's that's kind of my go to <laughs> for dinner parties. <laughs> Sounds good. Good to meet you. So who'd you invite? Uh, so I ended up inviting Walt Disney, um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, John Cleese, and both the Queen Elizabeths. <laughs> and, and those were all kind of shared ones. Yeah, um, I mean, all of these would be interesting people to talk to, you know? Yeah. Um, I did Dick Van Dyke. I felt like I had to include him because he's the only person I've ever written fan mail to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Mel Brooks, he was actually the first one we decided on and he was a shared yeah. one. Um, and then kind of my own personal ones, I guess would be, um, my own personal ones would be like George Washington and then um, Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, and that's then, not a personal one. Well, that's no, that, both that of one's us. shared. <laughs> um, but then Mark Hamill. And I'm thinking Mark Hamill, like, because I'm a big fan of Batman and uh, his performance as the Joker in the Batman animated series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Well, thank you both for being here and uh, talking with me. I really enjoy getting to talk to you and get a little more insight into your podcast. Um, for those of you who have yet not yet listened to it, it is the Bitten Word podcast. It does on Spotify and other media. Um, please check it out. You'll love it as much as I do. So I want to thank you both for coming. and Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I want to thank you for joining me today and talking with Christine Parker and Ashley Lee of the Bitten Word podcast. I enjoyed it very much and I really loved having them as guests and getting to ask them questions. If you have not yet listened to the Bitten Word podcast, I recommend strongly that you do. It's very, very entertaining and also very insightful as well. I want you to join me next week when my guest is Roxana Jellipat. She has a new book out called Mother Grains, Recipes for the Grain Revolution by Norton. It's an excellent book that covers the usages of different types of grain for everyday cooking. It is a wonderful cookbook and I've made several things out of it, including a um, buckwheat banana bread that was out of this world. So please join me next week when I talk with Roxana Jellipat. 
thank you, and I look forward to talking next week. This podcast is supported by funds from our sponsors and donations from our listeners. If you wish to donate, simply go to the donation box on the website and click to add money. We appreciate any funds. Thank you.